if you have come either on Zoom or you're in church, you're an incredible encouragement. Now, turn to the person, if someone's sitting next to you, and say, thank you for being an encourager today. We all need that. So thank you for being an encourager today. Now, if you're sitting by yourself, just think, hey, I'm an encourager. Why are you an encourager? Because you have come, you have joined, you are a blessing because you have done that. And I know that um, Kent and David and all the others who have worked hard to put this service in, you know, they'll be so pleased that you have turned up just to share life with them. So let's pray that today we'll all discover from something that we read from Scripture. So, Lord, let me pray. Lord, I thank you that we're all able to meet different parts of the world, um, some sitting in the church building, others at home. But I just thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for their encouragement. I thank you as a group of people, we can come together and we can lift your name on high. We can sing your praises. And I just thank you, Lord, for that. And I ask your blessing on this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the sermon I'm going to do this morning, the title is, What Are You Afraid Of? Now, that may sound strange, but we'll go through and we'll find out. Now, Jesus, he told 31 unique parables. And they were used by Jesus when he taught simple stories to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. And today we're going to look at one of those stories. It asked us to examine the question of how are we willing to serve the work of Jesus Christ with the abilities that we have all been given. And I guess there's a big question here. How do we use our God-given skills? And it's always a personal one. It's a personal choice how we use them. So I want to start this morning by asking that very important question. Have you ever been afraid of anything? Have you ever been afraid of anything? Now, there's a lot of things we should be afraid of, like uh, snakes. Uh, some people are afraid of enclosed spaces. Other people, they don't like the dark. Some people are terrified when they fly. Most of us don't like going to the dentist. And sometimes even water can be something we're afraid of. I had to do the baptismal service for a lady a few years ago, and she never told me that she didn't like getting her face under the water. So you can imagine, we're halfway through the baptism, and as she went down, her face hit the water, and she just exploded up outside of that baptismal pool. She was so terrified of water. I wish I had known. I'd have chosen another way. So today, I want to look at that topic of being afraid, because this is something that Jesus deals with. And I believe that if he deals with it, it's something we should listen to and make sure we understand. You see, it's important that being afraid of some things can be a very important thing for us, like we should never touch a bare electric wire. It could be a shocking thing. It could kill us. Or if we like boats and we only have a small boat, we should never go out in rough water. You see, that sort of fear of danger, it can save our life. But fear of failure is something that probably affects all of us from time to time. You know, we may have a dream to do something great, 
but we never act on that dream because we're afraid of failing. We may have a great idea, but it never gets developed because we're afraid to tell anyone about it. And I believe that Jesus told us the story, very important story, very clearly, because he wanted to deal with this fear of failure. And when we read the story, it really gives us a stark reminder of how God wants us, his servants, to live and also not to live. The story is found in the 25th chapter of Matthew, starting with verse 14. Now, you may want to open your Bibles or go on your phones to look at this, but I'm going to paraphrase the story for you today. Let me tell you about the kingdom of God. It's like a business owner who was going to go on an extended trip. Now, we really know it was talking about Jesus. He was going to go away. So he called his employers together and gave them some capital, some funding, some talents for them to grow his business. We don't know why, but he gave different amounts to different employees. To one, he gave 100000 To another, he gave 50000 And to another one, he gave only 10000 Then he left on his trip. And you see, right away, the people who got the funding had to choose how they spent it. And this is the whole point of the story. One man invested his $100,000 in a stock and up-and-coming company. The second employer immediately found a way of putting her 50000 into a business that she could purchase. But the third employee took his 10000 and he hid it under his mattress. Now the business owner came back and was excited to learn what had happened with his business while he was away. The first employer came telling him about the startup business he had invested in and now how it had grown crazy. He presented the business owner with a report showing how his 100,000 had now become 200,000. And this was the reaction of the owner. The owner said, wow, great job. I think I'll make you a partner in this business. You have made me very pleased and very happy. And of course, the second person came and they told him about the business they had purchased with his 50,000 and how it had created a great way to make more money for her boss. She showed how the investment had turned into another 50,000 of additional profit. And again, the reaction of the owner said, wow, great job. I'll think I'll make you a partner in this business. Again, I am so happy. Now, the business owner, he was eager to hear about the third employee's work, but he noticed right away that something was wrong. The man would hardly lift his eyes and started mumbling. Well, sir, you know that you're very wise with your money. I know that you're a hard businessman to please. So I was afraid. I might disappoint you, and actually I kept your 10,000 safe and sound in a tin under my bed. Here it is, nice and safe too. What was the business owner's reaction? He became furious. What? You didn't do anything with what I gave you? That's a terrible way to live. If you really thought I was so hard to please, at least you could have put my money into the bank to get some interest. But as you said, it was a lost opportunity to work anymore for me. 
Then to his assistant, he said, take this man's 10,000 and give it to the one who risked the most. Now get rid of this play safe employee who won't go out on a limb. There's no room for him here. Now, why did Jesus tell a story? It seems a strange story. What was Jesus' point? How does this unpredictable, tragic story teach us about the ways of the kingdom? We need to look at the differences between the first two servants and the third one. What set these servants apart? You see, the first two were willing to take risks. The third one was paralyzed by fear of failure. That's very important. The first two were willing to take risks. The third one was paralyzed by fear of failure. The first two focused on the generosity and joy of working hard for their boss. The third one focused on the perceived hardness of his boss. The first two were industrious and creative in putting the boss's assets to work, but the third was lazy. What do we learn about how God wants us, his servants, to live their lives? You see, God doesn't want us, his servants, to be paralyzed by the fear of making mistakes. He wants us to use everything we have been given for his kingdom. You see, we learn here that God would rather have servants who are willing to take a risk, to try something in his name, than those who are afraid of making a mistake that they can never accomplish anything. So we need to ask, how do we serve Jesus Christ? I'll say that again. We need to ask ourselves, how do we serve Jesus Christ? And I believe there are some examples of how we can be serving the kingdom of God. We can serve the kingdom of God by witnessing. Now that's often quite hard and we can choose to clam up because we're not sure whether you'll be able to answer everything perfectly. Uh, we may not have all the answers, but we can at least try. Or you can speak. Now, he goes a very good way of witnessing. You can speak freely about what Jesus has done for you. Now, each one of us has a story about how our faith in Jesus Christ has helped us and given us hope. We all have individual stories. Some of them have been lifted from very hard places, and now you're rejoicing in life. We can all have a personal story, and we can encourage others with that story. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 encourages us. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way keeping your conscience clear. No one can ever argue about what Jesus has done for you. That is your story, and it's worth telling and encouraging others in that way. But the other way, we can serve the kingdom of God by serving others. Now, already this morning, we have been served by a number of you, setting up the service, writing the newsletters, posting things out on the internet, cleaning the building, doing all the little things that actually are serving others. But then sometimes we can be afraid to serve in case we mess something up or what you can get out of there and try something that is presented as an opportunity. You see, we often have opportunities, but 
we then think, should we or can we? And what if we fail? Listen carefully. I, I believe the church needs people, needs people like you who are willing to be involved and who are just aren't pew sitters. I've been in churches where sometimes it's left to a few people to serve the others. But when I read this parable, I see that Jesus is saying, hey, you've got ability. doesn't matter whether it's a lot or just a small amount. Be willing to use it. You see, some people have many talents to offer. Others only have a few. But never be afraid to use what you have for God's kingdom. And I'll say that again. Some of you have lots of talents, and we see that at play week after week. Others only have a few. But never, never be afraid to use what God has given you for God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 18. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I want to say that verse again because to me it's so important. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 18. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. You know, we can serve in the kingdom of God by the way we live. We can play it safe and live by the status quo, not changing anything or how you live. Or you can take a risk and try to accomplish something that you feel God is asking you to do. I wonder if you ever felt that. Sometimes I'd love to do something, but it will be a risk. Um, but God is always wanting us to be willing to accomplish something, and especially if God is asking you to do it. We know that every one of us who have devoted our lives to Christ have been given incredible talents. Now, you're a person. Everyone listening today has talents that God has given you. He may only have given you a few, maybe only one or two that you are aware of, but be prepared to use them. You see, Jesus is really saying here, invest the talents we have while we wait for his return. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve another. You should all have that sense when you're in the church or when you're in the community of using that wonderful gift or gifts that God has given you to serve one another. Romans 12 verse 6 says, Having gifts that differ accordingly to the grace God has given us, let us use them. You see, this is saying something very important. We all have different gifts. God has given us different abilities, different talents to use. Same as in our story. That money was really just another word for a talent. Now, we've got to use them. Or do we put them in the tin under the bed and say, we'll keep it safe. No one will ever, ever know it's there. Now, there's an application to the story that I believe is very important. You see, we are all uniquely shaped by God for his purpose. Wow, that's incredible. We're all shaped individually for God, for his purpose. Now, there's no one in the universe just like you. Now, that's amazing. You're unique, and it's not by accident. 
see, we discover who you are and why God made you that way, and he will help you share the love of God with others. And most importantly, and this is why we do it, to bring glory to God. According to Scripture, whatever we do, our primary role in life is to contribute by using our talents, investing our lives in the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. Wow. Ephesians 2.10 says, now listen to this one. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know that before you were born, God knew that you were going to be here? You know, think of yourself as being God's workmanship. You're unique, you're special, and you're created in Christ Jesus, not just for your own purpose, but to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that amazing that God actually knew who you were before you came onto this earth? And he said, I have special tasks for this person to do if they will only listen and be a blessing. Now, if we take the word shape by using the first letter of each word, it is an easy way to think about our individual characteristics that God has invested in us for ministry. In your newsletter on the front is the word shape. Now, you might like to give this a bit of thought and write down some of your gifts and your talents to help you. Now, the word or the letter S stands for spiritual gifts. What has God, through the Holy Spirit, supernaturally gifted you to do or me to do? You see, you have a spiritual gift, and through the Holy Spirit, you've been supernaturally gifted to do those gifts. Then the next letter in shape is H, and it stands for the heart. Our heart is very important. What am I passionate about? What do I dream about and love to do? I guarantee if I went round and asked each one of you individually, you would say, well, this is what I love to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And God has given us that ability to be passionate. Then we go to the next letter, letter A, and it stands for abilities. And this is where we're so different. I can't sing, so never ask me to be part of your worship team. And yet some of you have an amazing gift. That's your ability. Others are good technically. Others can talk to other people. They can witness quite happily. They're passionate about things. But God has given you the ability. What are your abilities? Then we go to the next letter, P, and it stands for personality. Where does my personality best suit me to serve? Some of you are outgoing and quite happy to be in front of people. Other people are quiet. That's your personality. But God wants you to serve where your personality suits. And then the final one, E, stands for experience. All the positive and negative experiences in your life that will help. You see, we're all shaped by what has gone on in our life. Your experience we're told in Scripture that as we have learned things, that gives us a point. If you've understood pain and suffering, well, you can minister to people who understand that. There's all sorts of ways our experience can be used to take our talents and abilities and use them wisely. Your ministry will be the most effective and fulfilling when you use your gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire. You see, it's a way that expresses best your personality and experience. Now, I'll just say that again, because I think it's important. Your ministry will be most effective and fulfilling 
They're two important words, effective and fulfilling. We all want to live fulfilled lives, but when we're using our gifts and our ability in the area that our hearts desire in a way that best expresses our personality and experience, and I believe that's really makes it a wonderful life journey. Now, in the parable in Matthew 25, it can be taken so far. You see, each one of us is given a different amount of talents in each of those categories. But, you know, every one of us is given a talent. Some are talents, some many, but some just a few. And I believe our role in life is to use our talents to try and build the kingdom. You see, Jesus left. He left after three years' ministry and went to the cross, and then 40 days later he left, and he left the work that he had started to us to do. He gave us the ability to do it, and we're building the kingdom. MCC is building a kingdom around for the glory of God, and he's asking us to use our talents. Now, I wonder this week what would have happened if there was a fourth servant in the story. This one was given a further 5,000 and invested in a failed venture, and he had nothing to show for it. Now, what I'm talking about here is very important because it's talking about discouragement. Sometimes we have tried things and we have become discouraged and we say, that's it, I will not do it again. But this man invested his money in a failed venture, but he did invest it and he had nothing to show. So how did the boss treat such an employee? I think he might have actually taken the 1,000 from the fearful employee and given it to the one who had tried but failed. You see, we have to be careful that we don't fail and then say that's it. I think if the boss in this story truly represented God, he would have encouraged that employee. He wants to encourage us to at least try something instead of fearfully holding on to what he had been given and basically had failed with it. This is an important point for each of us to consider when we have tried to do something for God and failed. And I often hear these stories. People say, oh, look, I did try and I didn't do too well. And they become discouraged. I'm telling you, do not be discouraged because you cannot fail when you have tried in God's eyes. Maybe you tried to witness to someone, but you fumbled on your words. Maybe you didn't get the reaction. You thought maybe that would be important. Maybe you tried a new job once and you thought if it really fitted you and enabled you to do ministry more effectively, but even that may not have worked out. Maybe you took a chance to pursue a dream you felt that God gave you, but for some reason that dream never became a reality. I've met a number of people over my years who have tried things, who felt that God was speaking to them and they got out and for some reason it didn't work. But let me encourage you. That's been your experience. Don't give up. Don't let the negative experiences of your past paralyze you with fear of taking steps of faith in the future. I'm going to, that's a very important statement. Don't let the negative experiences of your past paralyze you with fear of taking steps of faith in the future. You see, in the kingdom of God, he wants us to keep trying, to keep serving, to keep taking risks in order to see his ways take hold in the lives of the people on earth. Let me ask you a personal question. 
What are you doing with the talents God has given you? What are you doing with the talents that God has given you? You see, there always will be fears. There will always be detractors. And yes, there will sometimes be failures. I have known pastors who have failed in their church. What did they do? Did they go and hide? No, they went back and they tried again. And they were successful. But the kingdom of God is to be filled with people who are willing to invest their lives in things that matter. Who will take what God has given them and use it? Who will take what God has given them and use it to build his kingdom of love until he returns? You see, what stops us getting going? What stops us when we know we've got talents and abilities? What stops us actually starting and getting going? Now, here goes a very interesting fact. I believe it's the word uncertainty. We can't sometimes see the end result, so we're reluctant to start. Now, there's a South African animal called an impala. Uh, it's quite an attractive-looking animal, but it's an amazing animal. You see, it can jump nearly six metres high off the ground, and it can cover a distance of greater than 18 metres in one bounding jump, and it uses that when it's in danger. And yet, here goes something interesting. These amazing creatures can be kept in an enclosure in any zoo with only a one-meter-high wall. Now, why? Why does it not jump that wall? You see, it's fear of not being able to see ahead, and that stops them jumping. The animal will not jump if they can't see where their feet will land. Now, I don't want to live my life like an impala, and I hope you don't want either, because we sometimes cannot see the end result. We cannot see into the future. And yet God is asking us when we know it's what he wants us to do, to have the courage not to be fearful, but to actually go in the direction he is asking, even if we can't see the future. Now, I believe that the challenge to you this week is to take a risk for the kingdom. So you're a very powerful person because you've got God on your side. And you may not be able to see ahead, but you know this is what I'd love to do. You have a heart for it, a passion for it. And it's really saying in this story in Matthew, we need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to say no to our fears and say yes to the kingdom living that we've been asked to do. You see, that overcoming that fear and stepping out can have incredible consequences for the kingdom of God. Now, there's a story that I want to finish with from Daniel 3, chapter 3. It's a story that shows the men in the story had very good reason to fear, but they chose wisely to trust God, even though they couldn't see what was going to be ahead of them. These three Jewish men, we know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they lived in a country ruled by a king who was very opinionated. He had a 27-metre-high gold statue made of himself. Now, that's an incredible amount of gold, but he had this huge statue made. And he demanded of his people when, on a certain day, music was played, everyone, everyone had to bow down and worship the statue. And this was the consequence if they disobeyed. Failure to worship the statue was punishable by death, by being thrown into a fire. Wow, imagine facing that. And these three Jewish men 
were out of their own country and they were confronted with a choice. These men had to determine to worship God alone and would not bow down to the statue. That was their commitment. They were prepared to step out in faith and not to be fearful. And that would have really tested their faith in God, knowing that they could be thrown into the fire. You see, your faith will be tested. And I hope that it is, because that then confronts us with making a choice. It may be where you work and you've got to share your faith with someone else, your story. That can take courage. You don't know where it's going to end. It could be where you're living, where you're wanting to do something you sense God is asking you to do. It could be serving an MCC or beyond. Some of you are well out of the church, but wherever you are. And you're being asked, you sense, I should be involved here. But then there's that uncertainty. Now, we know that the commitment these three had, they refused to bow down to the fear. And that's the importance of the story. And they made serving God their priority. Imagine if you woke up tomorrow morning and said, this week, I'm going to serve God. That's my priority. I'm going to work hard in my business. I'm going to be with my family. But my priority is to serve God. Now, we know that they didn't bow down and they ended up being thrown to a fire that was so hot that it burnt to death the soldiers who came close to throw them in. You see, my point here is when faced with a negative consequence of their faith, they did not let fear stop them from being faithful to serving God. Imagine your week, this week, whatever the consequences of your decision to serve God faithfully with your talents, you just have to be determined to honor his name. Now, what happened in that story? We know that God's name was lifted high in this land where he wasn't honored. But because of these three men's faithful, fearless action, God's name was lifted high. Imagine this week, if you were in a position to lift God's name simply by using your talents and giftings and not hiding them under the bed, like in our story. You see, we can be fearful or we can trust. Our story today is simply about using our talents for God's work. It should encourage us to live, to choose a life without fear and take every opportunity to use our lives to work for God's kingdom. You see, we're Jesus' hands and feet. He's left us with this amazing opportunity to be a blessing, to extend his kingdom, to take the fight to Satan, who will try and destroy us every time. And yet we use the talents that he has blessed us with for God's kingdom. And you will begin to experience your life becoming a huge blessing. I think that's important. You know, I want my life to be a blessing. I hope your life will be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Now, there's a point that came out in Matthew 25, verse 21, about the servants who were not afraid. Now, listen to this. This is important. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And then it said, come and share your master's happiness. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, God has everything. He doesn't lack anything. He could be happy with anything he wanted. And yet the thing that this story is telling us is that when we serve him faithfully, when we go and we do our best with what we have, God is incredibly happy. Well, imagine making the king of kings happy. 
And that's the ability that we have. Isn't that wonderful? That God has everything, and yet he loves it when we choose to serve him with our lives. God does not want his servants to be paralyzed by fear of making mistakes, but to use everything they have been given for his kingdom. I'm going to repeat that, then I'm going to share something else. God does not want us, his servants, to be paralyzed by fear of making mistakes, but to use everything that we have been given for his kingdom. What a blessing you could be this week. What an incredible blessing to make God's kingdom grow. And I think that that's something that we all need to understand. Now, um, I've got something I'm just going to bring up here on my iPad. It's really fascinating, this. I, I read it just yesterday. Now, C.S. Lewis, he was an Irish, uh, he, he was British, but he was Irish. He's written books. You would have heard of the film Narnia. He's been an incredible author. And he's written a lot of stuff that some of you may have read. And in 1942, he wrote this. And you think about it in today's context. This was a discussion between Satan and Jesus. And Satan said, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. Doesn't that sound like the world we're living in? I will shut down businesses, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. Isn't that amazing that that was written in 1942 and yet it applies today and all over the world. But then Jesus came in and he said, listen to this, I will bring together neighbors. I will restore the family unit. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people to slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. Now, if you go back to what we have just learned from Matthew 25, I think this is absolutely powerful. I will teach my children to rely on me. As Christians, we can rely on the power of God in their lives, the Holy Spirit, and not on the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. You know, you're a powerful people, MCC. You are a people who are working and walking with the power of God on your behalf. And this is why you're such a blessing. This is why your church is thriving, because people want to hear the truth. They want to be encouraged. And you're a people who are encouraging. So bless you in your ministry. Bless you as you go ahead. Now, I'm going to pray and then hand back. Lord, I thank you that you have put stories in the Bible, stories that you spoke out, that you put parables that we listen to and we think, what does it really mean? In this case, it's talking about people who worked hard for you, who used the resources and the skills, the talents they had. And it's talking about someone who chose to fail because they had fear. And we don't have to fear. We're people who walk in the power of God. We're people who can choose how we serve you with the talents that we have. I would pray for every person from MCC, whether they're in Japan, whether they're in the States, whether they're in different parts of the world, Lord, that you will give them a strong sense that they work and walk in your name and they do not have to be afraid. Lord, I would come against the word fear in Jesus' name. Help us to be strong. Help us to be people of courage. Help us to listen to your 
inner voice, your Holy Spirit telling us, this is the time to do something. This is the time to speak out. This is the time to encourage someone with the testimony that we have because you have worked in our life. And I pray for each person who's listening today that they will go forth this week stronger with a sense of they go in your name. And Lord, help us to extend your kingdom. Help us to take the fight of your kingdom to Satan and to the work that he would do to destroy people's lives. I thank you for blessing us. I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who speaks into our lives. I thank you for MCC that is a living, working testimony of what having a faith in you in the Tokyo area is. It makes it something that is special and it's strong. And I thank you for all the people who have been an encouragement to that church and who are there serving you in this time, which is not easy. It's a time where other people can be fearful. But Lord, when we work with you and for you, we do not have to be fearful. And so I thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.